Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. Are you ready now? Oh, I'm sure this is math. Tom? <laughs> Robert? Yeah. Well, all right, fellas. Well, that's done! How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? So, here's the deal. You know, I'm not a good parker, Tom. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I just think that this is a car company that is run by super Auto geeks. Oh, yeah, the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. Tesla. You don't even have Tesla. I remember that. You've got a Model I've X. seen the future, and it is light pole charging. No, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Storm Tesla 84. We're in the new studio, which was open for a week, closed for two weeks, open again. And it's lovely in here, don't you think? Oh, it's so nice in here, and it really sets off Robert's eight. The 89th straight show wearing some form of Elon swag on his chest. It says no, this one sexy. Is actually, this one is actually from a uh, aftermarket No, I understand t-shirt. that, but it's always something. Yeah, well, It's never nothing. It was going to be a SpaceX shirt, but I wore that one to my shift yesterday. And at the end of my shift, it smelled so bad that I thought I would spare both of you in this nice, cozy little studio with no ventilation. Did it smell of the fluids of others or of the fluids of <laughs> can yourself? We, can we move on? Can we move on? I hey, don't hey, know I've got a, reply I'm to starting that. the show and you don't like it? I've oh. got a big concern. No. I've really? got a huge co- – Wait, I have a question for Talking Tesla Nation before you get started. Sure. Do Fine. We, Just cut me off. Go. Do we have any idea go. whether or not Mel's going to be complaining about something on his Tesla today? He always complains about something, <laughs> but I think it's going to be different this week. You do? You yeah. do? Based on what? Uh, the pre-show chatter that was going on. <laughs> okay. All right, Mel. What do you got? Let's have it. Um, first of all, if we don't get to the point – and go quickly. This is an 18-hour show. And we can't do that because we don't have 18 hours. So many damn interruptions. And, of course, this morning, it's Monday morning we're recording. Elon just went on a tweet storm. Here's my TED Talk where I talk about saving the entire planet. Here's a landing of a rock. On and on again. So we have a problem. So I'd like you two gentlemen yeah. to get to the point. Okay. All right? Try and be funny, on point, and quick. All right? I don't ask for much. Thomas, I don't. Has he been listening to this show? All he does is ask for things. And interrupt. So, uh, first <laughs> of all, talk. for those of you that went to the climate march, thank you. Hundreds of thousands. I think there was 200,000 people in Washington, D.C. There were other 100 marches across the country. For those of you that got to go good, I was unwell, so I gave Sierra Club some more money. You are unwell. You look terrible. You might have some sort of viral storm within you. Um, I'm still sick. Yes, you are. A week later. You look terrible. Your eyes are bloodshot and your face is flushed. And, and it's not like, like Saturday night, which is like a normal state for yeah, him no, on Saturday night. It's your, cold. your body does look fit. You do look fit. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and I watched you walking around. You do not look like an old man. But my head just <laughs> needs do draining. Not. He does not. Does, does not. not look like an old man. Okay, good. Does he, need he does snot, though. So oh what should gosh. we start with so we can get this sh- road on the show, as it were? Well, let's start with the boring company. But it turns out Elon and Ted just released their his TED Talk where he goes over everything. So I think we're really going to have to focus on that TED Talk because he basically summarized everything that he has done, is doing, and will 
do. But I haven't seen the TED Talk, so maybe oh, we should too maybe bad. we should do that for next week. No, oh, no, no. So much no. to talk about. No, we can't. Here we go. So let's We've talk about summarized. the boring company. So who wants to summarize this? Robert does. Did you write all this down or did I? I wrote a lot of this stuff down. Basically so tell us about it. The Boring Company, that's how uh, Chris Anderson started off the TED Talk. Uh, he thanked Elon for being there and asked him, why is he so boring? And Elon just went with that. And they went ahead and showed this concept. I'm sure most of Talking Tesla Nation has seen the video that you can find on uh, theboringcompany.com, which shows a Tesla driving into like this small little parking space, dropping down a shaft, not you know, uncontrolled dropping, and then <laughs> it ends bad. up in a in a, a track. It's on the sled, and the sled takes it like 124 or 130 miles an hour, and they zip around. You can go from uh, Westwood to LAX in five minutes. That was Elon's term, and it looks pretty cool. And, you know, I, they also had these, like, glass enclosures that people could walk into that were on sleds that would get people around. It seems like, you know, no other cars were shown either on the road using this, probably couldn't use this. In Elon's future, there are no other cars or pods. It was funny that every car in the video is a Tesla. Yes. Above ground, below ground. And so these sleds go at 100, and he says, you know, they'll go about 130 miles an hour. So it's not actually the car driving. It's it's a car that hops on a sled, and then the sled fires you where you need to go. Um, Like a Hyperloop kind of situation. Exactly. And so he went into a lot of detail about the, on the video with uh, Chris Anderson about it, well, how is this going to work? And um, there are a few of the other things that I thought were fascinating is when you watch the video, note that there are multiple levels. See, that's really hard to do lots of levels up in the air, but you can basically do an infinite number of levels uh, below ground. He said that you could go uh, and dig a tunnel under a house and it'd only be three or four tunnel diameters down and you would never know there was a digging machine down there because the earth absorbs vibrations so well. And you won't feel the sleds coursing under your house, that the sleds are electric powered. Uh, he didn't talk about how they're, they're charged or how they're fed energy and whether or not they interact with the car or not. They're being pushed by underground cockroaches, I believe. Giant ones. Not Very rats? Fast. Not rats? No. Willard's not part of this plan? Probably they'll bore all the way to the Earth's core and they'll use magma to spin turbines to make electricity. That seems inaccurate as well. I'm not just going to throw that out there. Like, I don't, I don't believe they're going to go all the way to the Earth's core. In fact, I don't believe they're going to do any of this at any point. Well, ever. so they've already started. It's, uh, I, I actually talked to Robert Bingham and he said that the most exciting thing going on right now at SpaceX is the tunnel being drilled across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a picture leaked out by a Tesla employee that showed three white uh, circular tube sections. One on on one of them, it said the boring company. Mm -hmm. That's the big drill. And evidently that dude's Instagram page is now down. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. And his uh, HR meeting is very, very extensive. (laughs) Yeah. It was probably a big slap on the wrist. And he talked about how much uh, this is going to cost. So, uh, again, watch the video. But he goes, well, as an example, um, L.A. made a very extensive underground tunneling system of approximately 2.3 miles. Huge. So long. And it cost approximately $2 billion. And so by doing math, it costs right now in L.A. about a billion dollars per mile. And that's really not cost effective. So how are we going to fix that? Luckily for Elon, he can't even leave his property with his tunnel without getting some more permits. He's basically stuck on the SpaceX campus. He can do whatever he, he wants. He straight down. He could drill 30 <laughs> levels into the magma on 
his own campus, but he, beyond that, he's just sort of stopped. Right. And maybe he's got, you know, permission to dig underneath the whole Hawthorne, free, uh, Hawthorne Airport. I'm, I'm wondering if you can work that out. So he's got a mile that he can dig underneath all of that stuff. So tell us how he's going to drop the price. So he said a billion dollars, but he's got this way of reducing it by an order. order of magnitude. Yeah, order of magnitude at least. And he gives a number of different reasons. Like if you make a, di- a, a tunnel that's for like two lanes of traffic and it's really large diameter, it costs a lot. You have to remove a lot of material. Think about the space above the vehicles to make the arc of the tunnel. It's huge. Plus cars currently, this is sort of an aside, put out a lot of noxious chemicals. That's- they weird. burn. Is that an aside on this show? Usually it comes out the back passage, <laughs> not the side, but go on. Got that. And so if you have electric vehicles down there, you can make a much tighter tunnel. And he talks about shrinking the tunnel diameter in half, which means that you remove four times less material. You think pi r squared, you have four times less material. That should cost a lot less. Continuous tunneling. So he would use a machine, not only the tunnels, but would put in the reinforcement wall at the same time. So the thing doesn't currently tunneling machines, they bore, they back up, they put on the outer cover of the tunnel, the reinforcement, and then they go. And this would continue to go straight. That would increase the order of magnitude by two. Then he says that the tunnel machines don't have enough power to really go fast. He, He sees increasing that by at least 2x possibly 5x. And he gave a couple of other examples, but the bottom line is, is to make tunnels go a lot faster, you can make them a lot less expensive, and you can dig a lot more tunnels. And like Mel was saying, at the end of the video, you see just like four tunnels right next to each other. They're veering off in different directions, and then you see them at multiple different levels. So there could be, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of tunnels under Los Angeles, which after you make the under the underbelly of Los Angeles, like Swiss cheese, I start wondering about that thing they call earthquakes. Well, I was worried about that as well. And I just read an expert that said what's very interesting is that on the surface, when there is a big earthquake, there's lots of cracking at the surface. Mm-hmm. But under the ground, it flows more like water. And so um, you can have these tunnels so that they are more flexible and can move with this flow of the energy that's coming from underground. And it's not as if it's like fracturing like up on top where it moves 11 feet. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. So these potentially are safer than being on the freeway up top. Yeah, How's I have, that? I put in huh. a story that I found back from Wired. But before I get to it, it's interesting that um, I, I think that maybe now we need to create a new topic called Tesla's Boring Tunnels. Because I have a feeling there's going to be a fair amount of work on this. Although Elon says he's only spending 2 to 3% of his time on this. It's going to be a long road for him to start getting permission from the city and county of Los Angeles to dig holes all over the place. Guess what's going to happen just like Hyperloop. He's he'll, develop, somewhere else. he'll develop the technology and Dubai will come along and say, you know, we really could use one of these. Because another thing that this can do is... This basically can be turned into a vacuum very easily because you have to make it so thick to stay, keep the water out and the water table. You basically just then suck the air out and you've got a Hyperloop. Right. And it looks about to be the same as the Hyperloop that I saw them building in Nevada. The uh, Hopefully he doesn't run into any methane pockets or anything else with all of his 30 levels of I'm of sure this drilling. will go without any issues at all. It will <laughs> all be fine. He talked about having to make a tunnel that will hold back 5x 
um, atmospheric pressure to mm-hmm. keep the water out because there's a lot of water down there. A lot there. of water. Yeah. Well, not really here, but in a lot of places. There used to be a lot water. of water. <laughs> we used yeah. to have water. Well, there's aquifers and there's all sorts of things that you'll run into. So that will likely slow the process down. But at the same time, there's we were talking. a lot of things that are going to slow this process down. I love his visionary <laughs> aspect. Do not get me wrong. I think it is amazing to see video of 30 layers of tunnels with hundreds of tunnels crisscrossing. I would love to see that more than anyone. It is so not going to happen in any lifetime of anybody we know or have spawned (laughs) to the extent that he has put in this video. I like that he's really thinking forward because the reality he sees is that with uh, Tesla being successful, Number one, pushing autonomous vehicles and many other manufacturers also pushing autonomous vehicles that when we have a shared ride system, Uber or Lyft-like system with autonomous driverless vehicles, that the the cost to move from wherever you are to where you want to go is going to be so much reduced that it would be cheaper than getting on the bus, not to mention the amount of inconvenience that requires. And then... When it becomes that much cheaper, everybody using like $1 to go, you know, a 20-minute drive to get to, I don't know, wherever you're going, a lot more people will be using vehicles and the traffic is going to get incredibly bad. Is it? But that's the thing. We talk about this all the time. Like, what? which is it? Which, which is it, Elon? Is it there's a ton less cars because no one's going to need to own a car and we're all going to use cars more efficiently? Or... We're going to build 30 layers of tunnels and there's going to be a car for everyone. Like I'm going to have a somebody's going to have an infant in the year. Let's call it 2040. I don't know because it's better than 2020. 2020. (laughs) I was going to use 2020, but that's coming up on us. Right. And as soon as that infant is born, you buy him an electric vehicle. Right. And and they don't buy anything or or he gets a a pass to an electric vehicle and, and he's like zipping around to. To daddy daycare and to the to the music store. To well, as do long as he can thing. walk, yeah. And uh, I mean, press I just his want to know which future Elon sees, right? Because he's 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 actually giving us a path to two futures. Oh my God, there's so many people. Like, is this the thousand year thing? The uh, first off, let's be completely honest. Completely the, honest. The Earth, unless everybody on the planet is going to move into one city, yeah. Right. This is not necessary. Well, most of the people on the planet do live in Los Angeles. That's, a, that's a, <laughs> yeah. That's I, I believe that's bowl. actually inaccurate. <laughs> I think that's bowl. an inaccurate. I was uh, on the number. freeway this morning. It felt like it. Um, so your point is an interesting one, which was the most disturbing thing. It was all good times, and we're going to talk a lot more about what he said. But when he said he thinks that there will actually be more congestion and more cars because of the dropping cost of Uber-like thing, everybody else that I've read on this says that's not true. Um, yes, the cost will get low, and yes, you'll have personalized transport, and yes, you will want to take your car instead of the bus, but because of the efficiencies of speed and uh, the fact that these things don't crash and they can go very fast and then everybody spawns out there and then they leave, that we'll need less cars. So now I'm confused as well, Tom. Right. Are there going to be more carry cars <laughs> or less carry cars? Well, Wait, what's the deal? Maybe this is the result of uh, many months of a couple of people at SpaceX working halftime and a whole group of interns working on this project. And they've kind of thought this through and come out with scenarios. And that's, you know, maybe this is an evolving 
plan. Right. But in this scenario, if we have 30 times more transportation corridors, let's call them, yeah. right? And and it's really just about speed and, uh, and efficiency. Are we going to have 30 times more people living in Los Angeles? Because I'll tell you this, it doesn't matter how efficient the traffic is. I don't want all those people here. <laughs> like that just doesn't seem very pleasant for a lot of reasons, like housing. I don't want the whole place to be a giant 50-story megalopolis. I'm not looking to live in uh what was that movie? Brazil? Yeah. I'm just not looking for that sort of doomsday kind of situation. Well, there are these things called hyperbuildings that were already envisioned back in the 50s or the 60s, which are literally 300-story towers that contain everything. It's literally a city. I like nature. Yeah, that's true. But unfortunately, with 7 billion billion people on the planet, and to my knowledge, I think a million people are born, whatever, babies are born, like every few hours. Most of them in your hospitals. So Tom isn't happy about this. Um, I didn't say that I wasn't happy, but but we're gonna. And you talked about earthquakes, yes, right, yes. And we have another story here from a very long time ago in Wired magazine because it was about the earthquakes in the Caldecott Tunnel. And I did a little bit of research about the old Caldecott Tunnel. So this let's is, just say what the Caldecott Tunnel is. This is currently is. an east-west highway through the Berkeley Hills between Oakland and Orinda, California. It has four bores. It started. As so two tubes, bores, four, four, yeah, tubes. four tubes of Good. traffic, two yes. going one way, two going the other way, right. uh, two going east, the other two going west. That's, right? that's the current status. Right. <laughs> right. And it was built originally in 1937 as a two-bore tunnel. So this thing has been around for a very long time. Survived and in, a lot of earthquakes. And in tw- exactly. And in 2013, they opened the fourth bore. Now, these tunnels, you think about them, you're like, oh, my God, they got to be huge. They're 3,800 feet long, Thirty. 300 feet long. They have varying sizes, but they're in that ballpark of, Three quarters not, of, of a mile. not very long. Right. Let's call them not very long. And the newest one took three years to cut less than a mile. How long did it take to do the first two bores? The first two bores took eight years. Yeah. So one and two in 1937. Yes. Right? 1929 to 1937, they managed to cut two of them. In the 73 years since then... They've managed to cut that down to three years. Yes. <laughs> and it's actually not even much so of a cut because that's for one bore. What I'm saying is the technology hasn't moved that far forward. I don't know how much how expensive these things were, but this is the these are the problems with this boring. Now I I believe that may have been through a little bit more rock and maybe as you go deeper you get less rock. I don't know the particulars of it, but that's just to give you a general idea of how difficult it is to build a tunnel less than a mile long. And he's talking about hundreds of miles, crisscrossing. But that's what he said. He exactly said the same thing. Like a billion dollars for a mile taking years is ridiculous. Here's how I'm going to reduce it. Yeah. So he's actually, you know, he's said we can, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool. But I think, again, like somewhere – it's somewhere in the middle and probably not even somewhere in the middle. It's probably like, okay, we have – uh, a couple of tunnels, and we have thousands of tunnels. Well, let's have a few tunnels. Yeah, and see, I agree with you. I think that the that, that video is very cool with the little carry car things, but I don't really see much of the point of that. If I've got this network of cars that drive everywhere, just put a giant hype loop there. Because really what I want to do is not drive through L.A. so much as drive past LA. I yeah. want to go from San Diego to San Francisco and I do not want to drive through LA because there's a lot of people there. Yeah. So just go on the Hyperloop and then Hyperloop goes boom underneath right. the city and then walk up the other side and can go at full speed yeah. the entire way. And he said that tunnels have no distance limitation. 
so they can be L.A. to Washington, D.C. But I understand what you're saying, Tom, and, and it makes total sense. But can we think back? Can we think back? It's December 2015, or better yet, November 2015, and no one has ever successfully relanded a rocket. It's expensive to put satellites into space. People say Elon's crazy. He's going to try and land a rocket back on the planet. Are you nuts? That was November 2015. We are now April, May. Actually, it's May 1st, 2017. A little less, it's like a year and what, four months? Mm -hmm. And now it's so boring, not boring, 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 but boring to watch a SpaceX landing that the people announcing the SpaceX landing don't even sound excited. They're yawning. That's what he's. So your point is that perhaps uh, what appears to be science fiction and ridiculous today could become science fact tomorrow. But I think there's a big difference because we all figured eventually just and again, I, I'm not I don't have an issue with his vision of it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think sure. his vision of it is amazing. Having tunnels underground from L.A. to New York and the Hyperloop, all, all of that stuff, I think, is amazing. And I think it's it's important for somebody like him to be having these thought sort of these this time to think right yeah. these thought experiments and be able to put a little bit of money or in his case a lot of money sort yeah, of behind for him the, it's just change behind the viability of these things right? right so and i think it'll move the ball forward just like you know landing rockets is going to move the ball forward but again 30 levels of tunneling and and i, I again i want to know what future we're talking about like that's that like is it less cars more cars more people we can't sustain 30 billion people on this earth in any form of of sort of awesome His tunnels aren't going to make people. No, I, I think you misunderstood. But but, but, the, but what so what's the point then are are, are the 10 million people just going to be so privileged that they they have to be everywhere in 2 minutes? Like is that the 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 whole situation? Well, I know one thing for sure. If we go up to Elon's garage up there oh, in the Elon's Bel Air, garage. we should have a show called Elon's Garage. That'd Elon's Garage, it's thing. boring because it's all it's boring because all it has is Teslas. Uh, so if we're in Elon's Garage, you know what's going to be in Elon's Garage? Elon, uh, an elevator shaft that takes his Tesla down as far as it needs to go, so it can enter a tunnel mm-hmm. that goes to SpaceX. Or to LAX right. or to whatever. That just makes His Elon sound like an evil four like or another. five favorite restaurants. And <laughs> how much would Elon pay for that? How much would any of the other people in Bel Air pay for that? I have my own tunnel. Just it takes what we me... need is an, another elitist system on the planet. That sounds great, Robert. So the question that I'm trying to get to <laughs> is how much would somebody pay for that? And is this economically viable? Is Elon going to be able to sell this concept? to the Larry Pages and the Sergey Brins of the world, and they go for it, and the they work out the kinks. They're the ones who have to deal with the tunnel that kind of collapses or that, that gets shifted in an earthquake or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this thing in 15 years becomes, oh, yeah, of course we have tunnels. Let's go to Mexico <laughs> City. Let's go to Mexico City from L.A. and never leave the planet's surface. So it's another elitist transportation system that he's building? Potentially. This sounds, this, you've made this sound even worse than it was I at the beginning of this show. thinking the, actual, the exact opposite of that, which I wanted to get to about 20 minutes ago, but you guys <laughs> wouldn't shut up, <laughs> which is I don't <laughs> see the economics of single car transport making this particularly useful 
That's why I still think it's the right thing, but it's a Hyperloop, it's mass transport, it's your Amazon, it's freight, it's uh, maybe a whole bunch of cars getting moved across, but you just driving underneath a tunnel like that is pretty expensive. Although, you know, lots of cities do it. They do it in the harbours. They do it in lots of cities. So if he can reduce the price, then you probably will see more of them. I think we need to move on because we spent a lot of time on that. Oh, that was not boring at all, though. But um, Chris Anderson (laughs) asked him this. Why would you go under the ground when everybody's now getting excited about flying aircraft again? And his answer to that was, first of all, it's going to freak people out. This idea of you flying cars over the top of you, this is not an anxiety-reducing situation when there is a 10-ton truck flying over the top of you. And that, and you're going to be thinking, is that hubcap going to come off and cut my head off? First off, why are there hubcaps? I don't is know. It, is hubcaps, <laughs> was hubcaps really a thing in this conversation? Or did somebody put this in these show notes? Like, Mine. Did Elon actually say hubcaps. hubcap? It was a funny thing. What it's is like wrong with this? Something <laughs> might fall off. It doesn't have to be a hubcap, okay. but maybe you flick- Are you? Do you have – we live near an airport, a couple airports. Right. They're all over the place. L.A. Yes. had one of the most you amount know, of airports yes, around at absolutely, one point, right? Yes. And – like, I, I don't sit around like, oh, is that airplane going to fall on my head? Well, you head? know, Tom, do planes have hubcaps? No. That, I mean, because, I actually have no idea. <laughs> because the uh-huh. hubcap came off a plane uh-huh. and killed somebody. The only thing I've ever heard about falling out of a plane is those frozen blue blocks of all of our urine and poo like that get like released occasionally. <laughs> and, and, and for sure, I don't want one of those coming through my roof. Is any of this truth? I've heard that. Tom, we're talking. Have you, Tom? You, you and I have played golf together a lot of times. Have we? We've gone to uh, that little place called Woodley. That's correct. And there is a airport so, just there. That was and the when, airport I was speaking of. When the planes fly over the top, it uh-huh. kind of freaks me out. Now I want you to think Never. about that situation where everybody has a plane and they're flying constantly. This is not an anxiety-reducing situation. Yes, I bet you that there would be a ton more. Regulation. Yeah. If every one of us had a car that would fly, uh-huh. now they don't even check your headlights anymore. Nobody gives a damn what your car's condition is. But if your car flew, what's the likelihood that people would not contain, maintain their cars? The, a wheel will fall off. Anything could go wrong. Do we own these cars? So the whole thing about this flying car thing, right? It's another car share service. So then I have to trust that Uber is okay. actually maintaining their cars. And, you know, because the Uber guy appears to be a little bit crazy, uh, maybe I don't trust Uber to be maintaining their planes properly. Maybe not. Again, I'm not super concerned, like, about a hubcap falling off. And, again, these planes, my guess is they're going to fly – over the streets? That's what I would do. I would make it like you fly over the streets. I'm not walking in the middle of the street. So you're talking about like Blade Runner when sure. the vehicles were – yeah. I think it's crazy to, to put everybody up in the sky. I think it's too energy intensive. I like the boring idea and I even like what Elon said. It, my favorite quote from this whole thing was when he talked about we have a pet snail called Gary. Gary. So Gary is capable of currently going 14 times faster than a tunnel boring machine. Mm. Gary's moving. We want to beat Gary. And and the funny thing about that is you know what that is a reference to, right? SpongeBob. SpongeBob. So he's got kids. My guess is these are these are Elon's kids. They have a pet snail. They watch the SpongeBob yeah. and they name their snail Gary. Hey, you know, 
a lot of us have kids and can relate yeah, to a story yeah, totally. like that. It makes Elon yeah. kind of a I've never guy. had a pet snail, but I bet they're fascinating. Well, let's talk about Tesla now because we're talking about the boring company. Okay. We talked about flying cars. So Tom's against boring holes and he's for flying cars. No, no. Did I say that? No. Yeah, I think Without so. hubcaps. Maybe I did. And now we're going to move on to Tesla. He said, what's happening uh, at Tesla? And he says, first of all, Model 3 is uh, due for release in July. Oh, my God. I want one. Can I have mine? And can I have it now? Very soon. How about now? And then he talked about autonomy. And he made this grand statement that this is not going to have LiDAR and it's not going to have anything fancy. It's just going to have optical cameras. And with optical cameras, you can become a supervillain of driving. Superhuman. Because, because right now, roads and everything is based on optics. You are driving because you are seeing and you are driving <laughs> because of it. And he's like, if you do the cameras well, then you're done. That uh, you can become 10x better than a human just with the cameras they have. It will make you superhuman. You don't need lighter. Explain to me, the novice, as if I don't know what I'm talking about, and maybe I do, maybe I don't. What is the difference in the system that he is talking about for the Model 3 and the system that's currently in your car right now? Is there a difference? No, same no. system. Same so system. it's the same system, right? Same so system. when he says it's not going to have LiDAR, I don't think any of us assumed it was going to have LiDAR right, to begin with. Chris right? Anderson was talking about uh, comparing Tesla's autonomy to other vehicle manufacturers and other autonomous yeah. company uh, methods. And he's like, you know, is it going to be enough? And Elon said, with optics, you can do everything. And, you know, I watched this last night, maybe midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I was wow. very excited. And mm -hmm. then I got in the car this morning, right? Mm -hmm. I'm driving over here. I made a few notes. While, While you, you were, were driving? driving? While I was driving. Well, actually, was I driving? I don't know. Were you? Were, Elon if was you driving, driving. Elon was driving. You shouldn't have been me. making notes. You're supposed to be paying attention, Robert. And I thought, uh, okay, that's very interesting. And as I'm driving, again, I'm coming to a rightward sweeping turn, and the car is veering towards the left. And ba -ba 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 -ba, I'm driving over the little buttons on the side of the road, and it goes a little further over to the left. And I'm now driving off the highway in the sort of like stop. Your driving lane. Or, or Elon's driving at this point. Elon has been driving all this time, <laughs> and I'm I'm getting nervous. And then it You're gets only back in nervous now. Yeah, I'm well, and it wasn't good after breakfast. And then the car recenters itself. And then as I'm driving, I'm watching and I'm seeing. Wow, are those wavy lines? Oh shoot! Is uh -oh. this like? Am I going like the Mel route? And the wavy lines a little bit. And the car is kind of like you know, it's going a little too far one side, a little too far the other side, and. As I'm watching the road, right, I'm facing into the sun. It's not great conditions. Um, I don't actually see when the car starts flashing the little uh, flag that says, Help me. Uh, hold steering wheel. And then the white bezel around the, mm -hmm. around the binnacle display starts flashing. I'm watching where the car's going. I'm like, this is not good. And all of a sudden, I get the, the red flashing, we're shutting off autopilot signal. And that was very interesting. Why Why did you not react sooner on your own there, buddy? I was watching the car, and I was watching the road like a hawk. I wasn't watching the binnacle display. Right, but did you have? But you didn't have your hands on the wheel. You weren't like... Oh, I was, I was, right, I was right there ready to grab everything. Right. But were you testing to see like how oh, yeah, close been, to getting into an accident your car would get I've you? I've done like a, a 1,600 miles of testing so far. <laughs> so I'm going to post that video. But it tells me that... If they're ready to take a car from a parking lot in California to a parking lot in New York without the driver touching any controls, that's what Elon said. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking by November, December, 
all right, man, bring it on. I feel better now because so far I'm not feeling so better buying this newer version of Tesla with all of these auto driving features. So he specifically said, well, how far along are you? And uh, he said, yes, by this year, by November, December, we're going to do this cross-country thing and the driver will touch the uh, steering wheel not one time as the plan. Right. And he went further to say two years until full autonomy where regulation and everything will allow it to occur. Which right. has ticked off a in the number. Car. Sleeping in the car. It's ticked off a number of people because uh, some people said, I paid extra money for full autonomy and I'm not going to see that full autonomy for another two years. To those people, I say, it was very clear on the website that this is going to take a while to get rolled out. There are people on Reddit and other places that are losing their lunch saying, I can't believe that I bought this car that has full autonomous capability and it's not going to be full autonomous for two more years. I look at it the other way. It could be full autonomous in two years. is unbelievable. I wasted whatever it was, $5,000 getting that stuff, but I did it knowing I just want to be part of this experiment as this new stuff rolls out. I want to play with it. Um, So for those people who are ticked off, um, I'm sorry. It right, was but, clear that this is not going to be on day one. But it's going to take a long time to roll out. But you made this note somewhere in these show notes about the fact that you leased your car. So you got a three-year lease. Yes. Right? And you paid yes. full $5,000 for yes. a three-year lease, which seems like it should have been less if you're only leasing the car on, on some levels, right? Like $5,000 is you're going to have it for 20 years, theoretically. But you And you paid it monthly. I guess it, part of it is monthly, but... It, how much did it increase the cost? And the chances are you're going to return this lease yes. before it's in full effect. Very insightful. So again, I was thinking exactly the same thing. If you leased a car when I leased it and you bought the full autonomy, there's a really good chance that you will use close to zero of that technology by the time the three are leased. Right, so up. you've paid for nothing. So you've actually paid for nothing. So again, if you're out there and if you're thinking I'm going to get this test or I'm going to lease it or I'm going to buy it, I wouldn't turn that stuff on unless you're somebody like me that's like, but I want to play with everything when it turns on. But um, can, I, can I just check something? Oh, Is I know this thing this, on? I know what's coming. <laughs> um, I bought all that stuff so that every time there's an update, I could use the new autonomous driving feature that mm-hmm. comes on. But is this thing on, Tom? It, that's on. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, I still have wavy lines and I can't use any of it. Mm-hmm. Well, it took you – this is a record. It took him about 35 minutes to tap the microphone and ask if this thing is on. We all knew it was coming though, right? Yeah, this is becoming a weekly event. (laughs) So ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, what this means for you, if you've got a Model 3 and you're going to start configuring it soon, which could happen in the next few months, and there's an extra charge for full autonomy, those of you that are leasing, those of you that – are thinking about this, understand that it is at least two years before full autonomy will be coming. So you need to consider, maybe I shouldn't buy that until it's actually going to get turned on, which is a few years away. And I would be curious. So I don't know how it works at Tesla with the lease situation, right? So you're leasing it. I would lease it and not turn it on until you know that it's going to be, I don't know, 20 or 30% of its effective, whatever that number is for you as a person. But right. but what I don't know is, let's say you're leasing a car and you're a year and a half into it and you have a year and a half left and you want to turn it on because they've released X update on it. Yes. Are, is it a monthly charge because it's a lease? Are you paying like $45 a month? We should find this information out, right? Or are you have to pay $5,000 that day and they sort of prorate that over the next 18 months of your lease 
that's I, left. We I should find know. that out. I don't know, but you know what I don't what I think people should not do yeah. is join a freaking class action lawsuit against Tesla over this kind of nonsense. But I think if you but but again, like you're a very special case, Mel. Thank you. Right? Because you sort of, again, you have this show and you want to have this technology and you can afford to kind of play with it. You have this show. It makes a little bit of sense for us. It gives us something to talk about. But if I'm the average Joe and I paid for this and it, it I know it was in written, it's going to take a while. We might have this. We might have that. But it still felt like it was coming soon, sooner rather than later. And especially if you had a lease and it added to your thing, it just feels a little wrong. I, I get that it. Well, there's new stuff coming out all the time. But yes, I agree. They, it was in plain English, but they didn't give a timeline. And so you could, I can see it argued both ways. To sue over it, I think, is ridiculous. But yeah. I think if you've got a system which is supposed to sort of do basic uh, sort of autonomous driving and it doesn't work because of – is this thing on? <laughs> because of the wavy lines – Maybe those people should be upset. We talked about it last week. Let's continue on. Let's talk about the truck because they said what else is going on at Tesla? Well, the other thing that's going on at Tesla is the truck that he's going to announce. So this is the pre-announcement to the announcement in September. But he did show a teaser picture and it looked big, large, and huge. Isn't this technically a follow-up to the pre-announcement to the announcement. Yes. So there was the pre-announcement, and then on the TED, he had another sort of yeah. follow-up announcement that we're going to make another announcement. This is the post-pre-announcement. <laughs> oh, the post-pre-announcement. Post-pre-announcement. I like that. So he followed up with a couple of things. This truck in prototype form already exists. This truck in prototype form has already been driven by Elon Musk. This truck in prototype form that he has driven in the parking lot feels like a sports car. Did he say that specifically? Yes. Yeah. He said, I have specifically driven this. I have yes. driven this. Okay. It's like a sports Sports car, yeah. it's incredible. It's weird when you get in this truck and it drives like a sports car. It's kind of freaky. I don't he, like the idea of a big, giant 65,000-pound truck driving around like a sports car because I know what I do when I'm driving in a sports car. I'm whipping it around. I know for a fact what you do, Robert, when you're driving in a sports car. I do not want you behind the wheel of a Tesla semi. I can see that Robert's going to have a new career. and He's like, this is so fun. I'm going to be a long-haul trucker, and he's going to do sliders with his semi-trailer. I don't do slides with my car, no. um, except in the ice when it's not intended. But- he specifically said this is not a short Whole truck. This is right. a long right. whole truck. What the what? Which goes counter to the conversation that we had the last time we were together and we're talking about the semis is we thought that 80%, you know, I did that, whatever that uh, stat was, where 80% of it's sort of shorter haul. Right, under 250 miles. Under 250 miles. And he said, no, but I guess if you build something that can do long haul, then you can cover 100% of the market. I'm sure that he gave. I forgot the name of the guy who was a Tesla, then went to Daimler, now back to Tesla, and for 16 months or 17 months has been leading this semi-team. I'm sure he gave that guy- I think it's a full team. Some pretty big stretch goals and said, look, I want everything. I want everything. And it sounds like they've delivered. I mean, these are the things that he said, that it will, quote, outperform diesel trucks of today. This is lower down where there was the Tesla semi uh, article from Teslarati. It will- have more torque than any diesel semi. And quote, if you had a tug of war competition, the Tesla semi would tug the diesel up, up hill. hill. 
uphill. I mean, like, he's like, no holes barred. This thing is awesome. And, you know, if I'm a guy, I, I can only imagine. You, I are, have, you are a guy. I Robbie. have sat behind the wheel of a 18-wheeler, and I have shifted it from, like, first to second of, like, whatever it was, 12 gears. They're automatics now. Did you know that? I did. But this was back in the 70s. A friend of mine mm-hmm. and I, we, we knew this other guy who drove big trucks, and he let us sit behind it. And it was like, whoa, this thing is enormous. And so it's not easy to drive. It is not, you know, it's like he was talking about the torque curve. It's like it's like a, a bell. It's not a bell curve, but it's just a it's a hump. It's a hill. And you every time you shift, you have to shift and you get another torque curve. He says, but with this one, 100 percent torque all the time makes moving a very heavy load really, really easy. I want to see the size of the brakes on this puppy because <laughs> it's going to get up to speed quite quickly and uh, there's going to be a learning curve. It'll have regenerative braking, right? It'll have engine braking, which will be a bonus, right? Although, you know, truckers already use engine braking to a certain extent to keep the... Right, and it's going to use that for regeneration of the brakes. He said this is, quote, a very spry truck. So somebody on here wrote that the Proterra, the big EV bus, right, has can do 250 miles and is 29,000 pounds with a 440 kilowatt hour battery. So if you extrapolate this to... A 500-mile run, and I did a little bit of research, and it feels like 450 to 500 seems like a reasonable amount of daily driving for a semi, a little bit longer, you know, as far as getting tired. And obviously, if you're in a dual driving situation, you can double that if you you really wanted to. You would need, at a 65,000-pound truck and 450 miles, you're looking at like an 880-kilowatt-hour battery. And I guess at the beginning of the recording of this show, episode one, we would have all been like, that's insane. And now we're probably like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. Because if you think about it, it's eight Model S power packs, right? eight or nine, side by side, flat on on a trailer that you then just put a cargo container on the top of and you walk away. It seems completely viable. I wonder what the uh, utility executives are feeling right now in the sense that this thing has to be charged, not like overnight at a supercharger, but like charged in an hour at a supercharger. That's going to need like its own nuclear power plant to <laughs> well, uh, yeah. charge it. Yeah, I mean, like a truck stop, if you have 50, 100, 200, 300 of these trucks going through in a day, that's a lot of, I don't know, power pack storage availability, that's a lot huge. of stuff of that that's going to need to be generated. So, yeah, we'll get into situations about, like, peaker plants and where these things will have to be located, right. closer to grid or gigantic solar farms, yeah. if, this is the, if this is the case. But it's, again... It's a total game changer. On uh, Reddit and other places, the um, smart people that are talking about this saying, you know, this actually now makes sense for a battery swap because of these huge amounts of energy that you'll need. And if you've got 10 of these trucks at the same time, it's just starts to get to be a little bit of a problem. So a battery swap would actually make sense here. So they've charged them up at the solar panel down the road and then they bring them over and you, your truck comes in and you right. change drivers and you put a new battery in and off you go. And again, like Tom said many months ago, maybe the first iteration of this will be going from Gigafactory 1 to Tesla uh, Fremont Factory. And they could bring sleds for Model 3, Model S, Model X. You could plug those sleds with the batteries on them into the truck. You know, So again, Tesla typically throws something out there, not not haphazardly, but then refines it over a period of two, three years. And I expect the same goes for this. But the, the whole bottom line of this is there is an urgency 
an urgency both at Tesla, at Elon, SpaceX, to get this stuff out there, to push everyone else to move in this direction. Yeah. And it's working. It's working. How many electric cars have been announced since the Model S came out and people thought, oh, that thing's going to sputter out and nobody's going to really buy it. It's not economically yeah. viable. And, you know, there is so much egg on so many faces at this point. It's true. And 2020 is going to be an amazing year <laughs> in <old>. transportation. <laughs> yeah, Tesla has... Um, at least here in the U.S., I don't know how it is in other countries, basically decimated the uh, elite car electrical luxury car market. Yeah. It has just taken it. Thank you very much. And it's also taking the luxury SUV market as well. So this truck sounds absolutely fascinating. I can't wait for the September event. Boy, I wish we could be there. Um, Tesla, can we have a little card that says we can come, please? Please, yeah, like a press thing? card. Can I do it one more time? No, don't do it. Okay, good. Hello, Tesla press office please we, we are we are tesla nation and i know at least six of your employees who listen to our show and maybe more which event would you rather go to every the one of next them model three event or the semi event well you know the next model three event has now been announced it didn't get in the show notes it has it's oh, I out that. do you guys it's want to see out. my invitation yeah Oh, I don't have it. <laughs> it says if you... I would like to see my invitation. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, this is not on the show notes. I found this out late. But if you got five people to order a Tesla from October to January, you are now invited, and the emails are out, to the Tesla Model 3 unveil, which is going to be June... I believe it's two and three. I'm going to look at my calendar. Mm. I actually did see that, yes. So you have to have sold lots and lots of cars with your referral system, and then you get to go to this event... And it's going to be Friday, June 2nd, or Saturday, June 3rd. They said that uh, the tour is exclusively for referral program winners. Uh, quote, join us for an exciting day with fellow Tesla owners, including a factory tour, a private Model 3 viewing, gourmet lunch, gourmet lunch, and a Q&A with Tesla chief designer Franz von Holzhausen. Uh, yes, please. Thank you. Can I, uh, where do I sit? Where should I stand during this event? Uh, I'm ready to go. Hello. That's a month away. Yeah. So do you think they're going to stream this live? It's going to be like a big no. live event, or is this is all private, private, they'll, private? They'll probably record it, and I'm sure they'll put it out later, because of course you want the 400,000 people, or at least the people who hold 400,000 reservations, to get all juiced up and get all you know excited to keep their, their reservation. Yeah, Tom's trying to click on the RSVP, but this is the Teslarati site. And uh, I want the link to work. It's Make not going to work. Okay, so okay, if you got invited to this, yes, uh, I am more than available. As let's refer to me as your plus one. Yeah. Okay. So if you're out there, you've had a bunch of people refer. I wasted my two referrals on a suitcase that I've yet to get yet from <laughs> Tesla. Still waiting. Thank you very much, Tesla. And uh. So please feel free to add any of us as the plus one. As you guys know, I'm the fun one, uh, so it should probably be me. Bjorn, uh, I just mean, go straight to Tom. Mel is replicating a lot of oh, yeah. viruses. You, don't want, you don't want him to be anywhere near you. Robert will be on a shift saving people's lives that day. So no, I'm we off. We can't take you away. I'm already off from, <laughs> from that situation. And uh, so, and more importantly, if you are a Tesla employee and you're listening to the show right now, uh, I don't know. 
do some hacking into the computer code system and just just throw us on the list. Yeah, we're only three extra dudes. Yeah, we won't take any pictures. We 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 promise not to talk about it. Mel is actually becoming super super like stoked and attached to his wavy lines. He actually loves them. Uh, and he's not going to complain about them anymore. Here's a picture of the official Tesla hotel that the invitees will be staying at in San Francisco. I hate to say this, but that's not at all interesting. Um, Tom, <laughs> you asked a specific question. Let me go back to it because okay. it was a long time ago. Oh, my goodness. You said if you got to go to the Model 3 event, yes. which we just heard mm-hmm. about, or the semi-truck event, yes. which one would you choose? Go. I would for sure choose the Model 3 event because I am not in the market for a semi-truck, but I would really – is this thing on? Can oh I have my, my car, please? I want to know if they're getting released in July. Like there's some rumors that there's going to be some cars sold in July. Right. That's what Im- does that let's, – let's walk that backwards a little bit. When does Design Studio open? I would say it's going to be next month. I would say after this event. Or like at this the event time. today? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I think it's going to be before June, that. June maybe. 2. At It'll the... probably open June 2. So they're they're going to not they're going to only have one or... month to like configure all of the cars that they want to make in He that said in the month. past well, there only... would be a couple of months before the first one comes off and so if July 1st is the first one. So it's now. June, May. Yeah, it should be opening today. Uh just check, man. <laughs> so, so remember, they're not—they're going to make uh, maybe a thousand cars in July and August, and they're going to be black and standard. Right? They're going to be what you get. They're going to be employee cars. They might be loaner cars. They might be just cars to distribute out to all the Tesla stores to show people. So, I'm not excited and and anticipating that you or me or Mel or anybody you got a new car <laughs> who stood in line is going to get a Model 3 in July. I don't think we're going to see Model 3s until late September, October at the earliest. Mm, that's a while, but I'm good. Yeah. I can wait. Yeah. All right, you can wait. You still have credits on your Costco gas card? <laughs> Let's keep going here. That's hurtful. Said, what else is going electric? So this is uh, what uh, Elon said. Well, he said eventually all roofs will be solar. It'll take roofs. maybe roofs. Roofies. It'll take a a while because you're not going to, you know, put a new roof on every house right now. You're going to wait till it sort of wears out. Unless you're Mel. Since they last 20 years or so. So um, 40 to 50 years, every roof will be solar. Basically, every standard house has enough solar generating capacity to run itself, is uh, what he said. Mm -hmm. Um, And coming out soon, very soon is going to be the Tesla solar roof, but not the four different roofy roofs. Right. He said they were only going to start with two roofy roofs, and he didn't say which two of the roofy roofs it's going to be. I'm sure it's going to be the plain glass roof. I would assume so, that it's yeah. not going to be the hard-to-make Tuscan weird thing. It'll be the plain glass roof, which is fine, because that's the one I want at the back there. You know All what? Right? I, want, I want to hear from anybody in Tesla Nation. You know, a lot of companies, before they bring out a product, they do testing, right? They question people in groups. Would you like this? What do you think of that? I wonder what kind of market research Tesla has done to decide which roofs they're going to put out. I wonder if they've contacted anybody or done any kind of market research on this. This is the way Tesla works. Tesla's like, hey, we built this cool stuff. Who wants it? And everybody gets in line and everybody buys it. It's the same as Apple and Steve Jobs. I'm not going to ask you what you want. I'm going to 
tell you what you want. Here is an iPhone. Thank you. Right. We're done. Here's your roof. Would you like one? Uh, you wouldn't? Let's uh, see if your neighbor would because we're pretty sure somebody on your street does. Hopefully uh, the Tesla roof comes out soon because I really need one on the back shed out there and it will be fun and exciting. <laughs> they also asked him, what about this battery thing? So you're going to need a lot of batteries to electrify the world. And so they showed a little video of the little, and I assume it was the 2170 cells coming off the yes. line. Boom, 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 really fast. And um, yeah, he said, you Chris know, Anderson is it speeded asked up? Him. He's yeah. like, no, it's actually slowed down. In fact, when we get this at full capacity, at full speed, the number of batteries coming off the line will be so fast, you'll have to have a strobe light to see them. Yeah, he said they'll be a, they are a blur. When the, when the production line is running at, at regular speed, the batteries are moving so fast, it's a blur. So he also brought up the question, okay, you want to electrify the world. This is the way we go forward. This is uh, how we use renewable energy. And we need renewable energy in a couple of statements he made there before I get to how many gigafactories. He said it is inevitable that there will be renewable energy because of the fact that if you don't have renewable energy, you will run out of energy. So therefore, it right. is inevitable you have to have renewable energy at some point. We're just trying to speed it up. Gigafactories do this. Strobe lights, they're, they're coming off the line so fast, you won't believe it. We'll need about 100 gigafactories. He this time said, we're not exactly sure how many need, but it's not 10 and it's not 1,000. We think it's about 100. And Chris said, so are you going to build some more? And he goes, uh, yes. And they'll be announcing more soon. Very soon, apparently. Right. And then I have another question, hopefully a short answer from you guys. How many states you think are going to be clamoring to get number two, seeing how number one, or I guess technically we're talking about number three? Like, is it two it, or three, right? Because It would be two, number three comes next. two is the solar factory, In right? Buffalo, In Buffalo, New York. Not just states. But countries are going oh. to be clamoring. Please come here and pay no tax and we'll give you something else, a sausage dog. I, imagine, I would like a sausage dog. I imagine one factor is being near lithium. So that's why we've been talking about Perth, Australia. Go Perth. Go Perth, mate. Which is also the home of the first fully autonomous electric bus system. I did not know that. We'll talk about that next week. Ooh, um, teaser. The other place... You know, somewhere like Chile, huge amounts of lithium there in the Chile. Yeah, and Bolivia. All of these places Peru. you would think would make sense to have Gigafactory 2, 3, but 4, not and 5. huge amounts China. of the cash in Chile. No, but China for China I mean, needs like six of them. It makes the most sense for it to go to China next. They have the people. They have the space. They have the lithium. What, what, they have the money. At that point, what Tesla needs is not their money. He just needs their okay. Yeah. He's, he's bringing his own money. We'll, uh, well, we'll build it. That's not just give 100% us the okay. accurate because that's the thing about Tesla, right? That we talk about, we'll talk about the stock price a little bit, but people are sort of, wow, Tesla's valued as much as GM, but they're not profitable at all, like in that in that situation, and it, and it feels like they're more like a tech company than a car company. If we talk about, it. let's just go into the stock price right now. So they're more of a tech company than a stock company. Hey Google, what's the price of Tesla today? 
As of 12.18 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, the price for Tesla shares on NASDAQ is $324.16, oh up 3.21% from last Friday. So it's been a good day. <laughs> Apparently, the stock market has also watched the TED Talk. <laughs> yeah, they sure have. <laughs> um, and so, again, people are like, how is this worth more than GM? GM has made actual money. They've made actual profits. But you have to look at it more like Amazon, where are they making profit per unit? My guess is the answer to that is yes. But they're investing so much money into gigafactories and other infrastructure-type situations mm-hmm. that they, don't, they can't show a profit. But at some point, they'll be able to sort of slow down the investment burn and go to the income burn and they will turn it around and that's what this sort of stock price craziness is based on again that that ted talk if you look at that you say to yourself if you're an investor if he pulls all this stuff off as we've said multiple times in the last few weeks if he pulls dollars a share this will be maybe ten thousand dollars a share the the businesses that he's going into is multiple trillions of dollars. I don't see anybody else being able to catch up in the short term. So this stock price is going to take off. That is not a stock tip. It is not. Get a CAT scan if you take stock tips from me. But I believe that this is going to be the most profitable, largest company in the world within a few years, five years. Well, we also have – there's also a story that I put in about how the New York Times went and asked a lot of now, this is not Seeking Alpha, which I've bagged on in the past, but I've talked to a lot of Tesla fans about the stock price and whether they would buy stock and such. And and this is from the New York Times, uh, the 11th and of, of April. And they said – so many people said, no, 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 no. It's way too overpriced right now. The fact that Tesla is worth more day by day, but definitely today worth more than GM and Ford. But they say that now it's really too high, too expensive, and we can't justify buying into it at this point. And and I wonder how many people are really buying. Who is buying right now? As a manu- but as if it's a pure manufacturing company play. Yeah, completely correct. Yes. Right. If it's a tech play, right, which it is, and a a big time. Amazon, because people have been saying this about Amazon for 20 years, myself included, like, when is Amazon going to actually start to make some money? When is Amazon going to start to make some money? And if you look at it, they make a lot of money. They just spend a lot of money on uh, investing, building new things, interesting things, right? Right. And and eventually, everybody's going to only be able to get stuff from Amazon. (laughs) Like, that's the only place. Also, Elon was sort of like, and we've talked about this on the show, sort of envisioned that Elon would depart Tesla after Model 3 to go on to the boring company and God knows what other ideas he has percolating in his back pocket. But he said on the TED Talk, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be at Tesla until I die. So let's talk about SpaceX because it didn't stop there. So he said, Chris Anderson, okay, let's talk about SpaceX. We're going to go over everything you're doing. And why are we going to go into space is one of sort of the big philosophical question. And again, Tom is going to go off here, but his point was we have to. It's inevitable that we would have renewable energy and Tesla is trying to accelerate that for a lot of good environmental reasons. But that's inevitably, that's going to happen. But us being a space bearing species is not. And he went through the fact that, you know, we put a man on the moon in 1969. 
And then we had a space shuttle that could only do low Earth orbit. And if we don't push this, then we're going to forget how to do this. And it's very important for him existentially, and I think for a lot of us, that this is an important thing for humanity to do. He brought up the fact that in Egypt, they built these giant obelisks called pyramids, and they forgot how to do it towards the end of their time. Obelisks and pyramids are different. Oh. In the Roman Empire, they made these incredible aqueducts and all these systems that over time they forgot how to do. And it was very clear that he had this existential angst that if we follow the technology curve, it doesn't get better all the time without significant effort. So he wants to put in the effort to take us to Mars, to be a spacefaring group. And, and we used to, as a society, de- depend on our government to push the space program. It was always government, right? And they, it just it's not a high priority for the government because they're working, at least for our government, because they're working on other sort of social things, trying to make sure that we're all taken care of. And, and I get that. So it's good for it to be pushed forward. I get his aspect. I get his thought process as it pertains to going to Mars. Again, I don't necessarily think he should be spending an inordinate amount of time or resources on it, but it's his time and it's his resources. So have at it. And here's how he's going to have at it. He showed a rocket. One of the rockets that's going to be used to make a spacefaring and send lots of people there. Now, remember a number of months ago, there was that beautiful animation of lots of rockets flying up Mm. and refueling and going to Mars and coming back. He showed another picture of the size of one of these rockets, and it was uh, quite large. This rocket is 40 stories tall. It has four times the thrust of the Saturn moon rocket. 40, I mean, four times the Saturn moon rocket, which was at the time and still is the biggest, baddest rocket that has ever been created. Yes. And so this is equal to the thrust of 127 47s at full throttle. In fact, he said you could take a fully loaded 747 with people and crew and crap and put it in one of these rockets and send it into space. Those people will not be happy. That would be like you're like on a you're on a commuter flight to New York or something, and all of a sudden they, they yeah. jam you in a spaceship and send you up in the air. Yeah, to and, the moon, Alice, <laughs> to the moon. Well, and so yeah. soon after you create this rocket, that rocket will appear like a robot, a rowboat compared to what is coming next. Right. So this gigantic rocket that he's envisioning and is going to build is going to be tiny compared to the ones that come after that. So Chris asked him. When is this interplanetary going to Mars shuffling system going to occur? ITS. 2020? He, he said uh, eight to ten years, but their internal um, timeline is actually more aggressive than that. Yeah, Chris Anderson went kind of blank at it's that like, moment. <laughs> Chris Anderson went blank about five uh-huh. times. He's like, what? Yeah, so and I mean, probably some 10 years? SpaceX employees are like, oh, my God. Well, we can think back to the Guadalajara Space Conference, which took place in the fall, where Elon was talking about this, and all – Uh, This is very dependent on our solar system, right? Earth and Mars do not circle the sun at the same rate. So the distance between Earth and Mars changes as the time of the years go around. So Mars goes around the uh, the sun more slowly, Earth more quickly, just a matter of physics. And so for us to do launches to Mars, we have to do it as the Earth is approaching Mars as it's going around the sun. We have to, we have like a, I, th- I can't remember if it's a two-year – no, it's probably like a many months period in which we can launch rockets and then get them to Mars using the least amount of time and fuel. And that's critical at this point. We're not going to travel to Mars by traversing the entire solar system past the sun, hmm. maybe in the future, but not at current 
you know, level of technology. And so you have launch windows, 20, I believe it's 2022, 20, late 24, 28. It's sort of like every 2.8 years, I think it's something like that. And so we have a limit. And so he wants to start like a first try in like 2022. He wants to get the first people up there the next cycle. He wants to get a whole bunch of stuff up there the cycle after that. I think that, you know, we, we, we're not astrophysicists and we're not scientists who really are familiar with this. Are you sure? But I've played one on TV. There's some interesting articles, if you want to finish this up, that really show how this can happen. So we won't go into it in detail because there's too much to cover there. But the point of this TED Talk, or the thing that I came away with, was inspiration. And I've needed a lot of inspiration in the last uh, few months. That here's somebody who's trying to really change the world. He's trying to help humanity. He's trying to accelerate renewable energy. He has a vision which is very positive about the world. And Chris Anderson asked him specifically, what is your motivation? You're doing all this stuff. Why? And then in the end, he said this, I want to be clear, I'm not trying to be anybody's savior, which made me sad because like, we need a savior. I'm just trying to think about the future and not be sad, which is um, profound, existential. It gives you um, plenty of insight into uh, this guy, which is he sees a vision of the future and he wants to make it happen. He has the money. He has the smarts. He's already doing it. I don't know if he will succeed. But boy, I want him to succeed. So I'll be doing my part to help out. So every car I buy from now on is going to be a Tesla. And every solar panel I get is going to be a Tesla. And every battery I get is going to be a Tesla, Tom. Yeah, he's the Edison of our generation, right? He's just thinking about the future. He wants to make things better. And we need we need a visionary. And I'm glad that Elon is that visionary, even though I think. He has some evil villain tendencies. Oh my He did goodness. ask Chris in sort of tongue in cheek. Like, this is all amazing. This is kind of crazy. Chris, you'll tell me when it's actually crazy, right? I think Elon sometimes wonders, am I going nuts here? Because yeah. I think I could do some pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. And everybody tells me I'm nuts. Hopefully he doesn't look at all the press and all of the negative stuff that people are writing about his ideas because I hate to see him sort of thwarted or stop in this endeavor. Because, like I said, when I went to the SpaceX pod uh, Hyperloop pod competition, the hundreds of college students that were there that were amazingly enthusiastic. It's like it's like building an army. It's it's amazing. People so excited, wanting to push all this forward. The amount of You know intel- who has armies? Armies. Evil geniuses. Evil villains. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Henchmen, as it were. Hey, we were trying to reduce the uh, ridiculous length of this podcast. We've got like uh, 20 other things that we were going to talk about. I suggest that we pick out a couple and then we do letters. There's one I want to do, since it's coming soon, is the Model 3 interior. So this is from Teslarati. So there has been a bunch more uh, videos of Model 3s driving around. Um, blue ones and white ones and green ones and purple ones. and There's lots been of no pictures. purple ones. There really hasn't been purple or ones. Or green ones. No. But um, some of these pictures now are getting us a better look on the inside of the car. It looks like the outside of the car is basically the way it, we've seen it minimal so times. So pretty. So there's a picture that shows of one of the blue ones uh, that there is no dashboard, no heads-up display. There is no bump in the sort of where you would normally uh, have, have – binnacle display. Binnacle display. Right. So – I think it's time for us to get over it. There is an image of this uh, center console video thing. Well, it's not center. It's off to the side. It's off to the right. 
And on that display, you can see that there is a big speedometer and some other stuff that takes up about a third of the left side of that display for an American car. And so that's where you're going to have to look to see your speed. And I think we just have to get over it. That's the way it's going to be. No heads up display. It's going to be that center, big, giant landscape you guys thing. Listen, you guys listened to last week's show, right? That's cool because can I have mine? Because I'm ready. Can I have mine now? How about now? Is it ready yet? I wish we could get you one now. Can I have it? Yeah. I'm ready. For, can I have it now? I, I would say that, you know, if, if uh, I'd almost say that if mine comes like three weeks before yours comes, I'd give you mine just to get you out of that car. If you don't, I might hurt you. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this, is, this is exactly what I was saying. And I actually sent out a tweet with a picture of my phone mounted just off to the right of the steering wheel where I expect the left upper corner of that 15-inch horizontal display to be in the Model 3. And it's very easy. I got lots of back tweets and lots of likes, people saying, this is what I do. That's where I mount my phone. And I watch you know, various other apps on their phone that shows speed, that shows direction. And it's, it's really not a big deal. It's okay. going to be fine. It's not a big deal. Can I have it? <laughs> it's cool. I don't need a heads-up display. I don't need a binnacle. I just need that one monitor in the middle. I don't need dual anymore. I don't need P uh, right now. Can I just have it? Can I have my car? Uh, whatever the first one, if it, is, it comes in black, I don't want it in black, but, but cool. Whatever. Can I just have it? I was kind of concerned when I looked at the pictures of this Model 3. Did you notice there's like duct tape over all the door seams yeah, and they the talked trunk about seam? That, though. That's about like the engineers working through. Remember when I taped you into a car once, Mel? Yeah. Uh, there was okay. a lot of there was a lot of wind noise, so Tom put some duct tape on it. Didn't help. Excellent. But I don't think that's going to be a feature of the car. I hope uh, not. This is a beautiful car. What's all the duct tape? That's eh, a thing. Although that'd be cool. Like in the design studio, you're like, all right, I want the white exterior and the I want the t- leopard tape. Leopard tape. That'd be pretty cool. I like the bamboo dash, or at least it looked like a light tan sure. dash. Okay. But who knows if that's really what's going to end seats, up? seats, bamboo dash, uh, no heads up display, no center console. Uh, no big giant hatchback. Okay, that's cool. Can I have mine? <laughs> All right, we get it. You <laughs> Can we talk about the Tesla parking lot? No, let's just move on from. Let's not talk about the Tesla parking lot. We have the show's just did. an hour and a half. We just did talk about it just then. Oh, we did. Okay, yeah, we can't. <laughs> I want to. Can we talk about the SpaceX uh, launch and land? That yes. happened an hour ago, a couple yes. of hours ago? Sure, let's talk about that. So uh, SpaceX is this rocket company, and they make rockets, and they send things into space. Hold on, they make rockets? And then they bring them back, and they land. This time it was a very secret, secret one Shh. for the American government. A spy satellite probably going to be looking, I don't know, at North Korea is my guess. And uh, they landed it. And it was cool, and this is getting boring, which no, is great. It's boring. actually not boring at all to me. But the difference about this one that I haven't seen before is that this one came back to Cape Canaveral and landed, and they had this long-distance camera that was showing this giant rocket falling out of the air at 600 miles an hour, 1,000 kilometers an hour. And that was the first time I'm like, oh, my God, they really are dropping this thing out of the sky, stopping it and landing, which is unbelievable. Did they get the fairing back too this time? I don't know, but they didn't put a camera on it probably because they didn't want anybody seeing what was going on. I don't think they probably had cameras on the second stage at all because they wouldn't want even SpaceX people to to leak this stuff out. They don't want anybody to know the trajectory. So that was interesting about this. At first I thought, oh man, I'm not going to get to watch all the stuff going on. But then the reality struck when I did watch it, 
uh, they showed for a prolonged period of time the first stage coming down. I've never seen it in that much detail. And I was watching these puffs of white come off the first stage. They use nitrogen to help to redirect it in addition to the fins, those waffle fins. And there were like 30, 40 discharges of this nitrogen puffs to get the thing going in the right direction. It was it was really good. This is probably the best relanding of a stage one that I've ever seen. Yeah, I came away from that video going, I much better understand the physics of what's going on and just the enormity of the task. The fact that they can do this, again, is shocking. And it was impressive to me that, they, well, first of all, they only had one uh, narrator, John Fettersped, who's one of the design engineers. And what I thought was really impressive, I mentioned this before, is that even he sounded nonplus when the thing landed on the ground There was some cheers, but there wasn't that big of a group there. And this was Monday morning. Well, actually, it was Monday at 4 a.m. So I wouldn't expect that many people to come out of bed to see this one, the like ninth relanding or the 10th relanding. Yeah. So it's getting boring. We're getting our wish. Excellent. All right, let's do apps, media, and then let's do letters. And uh, there's a lot of letters about apps and media, but let me tell you this. My media of the week, I'm just going to tell you my media of the week. Genius. It's about um, Einstein. And I got on iTunes. I don't know who put it out, who made it, but I just watched the first episode. Excellent. You know what? It's called Genius. It's called Genius. You know why? Because Einstein was above average. He was indeed. Uh, Do you have an app as well or just that? No, I was just going to stop right there. Okay. Yeah, I, I think we've gotten some letters. I mentioned that this is a little bit difficult. However, this week in Los Angeles is the 25th anniversary of the L.A. riots. Yeah. And there have been a lot of really good NPR and KCRW stories on the L.A. riots. So go check out NPR.org and KCRW.com. There's Which Way L.A., 50 years after the Watts riots, the Los Angeles riots, 25 years on. Lots of really, really good stuff. I'll give you my app of the week. Uh I think it's for me, it's the AAA app. You have all of your insurance information in that app. You can make all kinds of changes. You, If you need your proof of insurance because you got into a bangity bangity mm-hmm. in your Kari Kari, that's for you, Mel. Thank you, thank uh, you. Then all that information is right there in your app. So I like the AAA app. So there you have that. The Automobile Club of North I'm sorry? America. The Automobile Association of America, Southern California Model Edition. So my favorite app is Go. called Epson iPrint. And I use this because I have the EcoTank printer. I bought this like a year ago. Yes. And now that I've put it through, I don't know how many thousands of pages, I can tell you, I have not had to replace ink or a cartridge or do anything to this printer. It was a little more expensive. I have a lot of questions about that printer, but I'm not asking them on this show. Yeah, I have a lot. And uh, so it's a good printer because I was thinking about buying one. I'm ready to buy another one. This thing is awesome. And from my phone, I can print. So I've got like an email and there's like a graph with it, like Dr. Rosenblum, you got to finish all these charts. I'm like, oh no, I can just boom, print it right to my printer from my phone. Works great. And I started listening to another podcast after Mel. I I don't know if I should hate you or love you. You got me hooked. Thank you. You got me hooked on S-Town. I got really into it. In fact, have you guys actually seen The Maze? No, I didn't look at The Maze. I have a picture of The Maze. This is in the first episode. It's not a giveaway. There is a maze. Yeah, I don't want to do any giveaways because I've got so many people starting to listen to this. It's great. So I have pictures of the maze. I'll show it to you. I I think I put maybe some of these into a tweet. But the bottom line is I'm listening to their pre-podcast called Serial. 
Yes, which was also amazing. Well, you know, I started getting really tired of it. I thought it was annoying. Season one's good. Season well, one. Season, season two one. Is so good. Yeah, season one, I'm listening to it, and I was getting really oh, annoying. But at the same point, I started getting really into it. And so now I'm into it. I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and it's really quite amazing. Now there's a picture of the maze. Yeah. This is before it grew up. This is when the shrubbery was small. And I've actually uh, – this is back to S-Town. I've gone to the um, map, and people have located the maze, and you can see it on Google Maps. All righty. Let's do letters. Let's do letters. The first letter is from Chris in Portland who basically says, look, it's a great show. It's all good. Um, but uh, let's talk codes. Let's talk codes, mate. He wants to give away – he wants to use a code. Who's yeah, he, he going to use? I'm going to thank Chris because he used my code. And he was saying that he, he loves the show, uh, lots of laughs, and uh, it was basically good. He bought himself a uh, black model uh, 60D Last of its kind, he called yeah. it. Yeah. Diego Quivero is a friend of the show, said regarding Supercharger version 3.0, he sends us to a little bloggity blog that goes through some of the math and math that says that 350 kilowatt charging is possible even with the old uh, current battery, which is the 18650. And so we've seen a lot about this uh, recently, um, that this at first seemed like it was just too fast. You couldn't possibly do it with cooling and other things. But with some new technologies, it appears that we will be able to do this and this will be kind of cool. And I expect that version 3.0 of Supercharger will be 350 kilowatts or more, as Elon has suggested. But probably needs to be some cooling. Uh, Paul Burton says there is uh, a new shop in the um, in Australia and it's got some superchargers in Horsham and that's between Ballarat and Adelaide and then I got a follow-up email from somebody saying that just as we saw this new reveal of all of these new superchargers in North America Australia is undergoing the same thing there's going to be a sort of a 2x of the number of superchargers along that eastern southern corridor this is all good news as a little bit of an aside I was at a supercharger over the weekend I was away from the supercharger getting a little bite to eat yeah. I got an idling notification yes. saying hey you're about to get charged <gasps> opened my app Yes. And just increase the charge level of my car. <laughs> yes. And it went away. Oh, that's interesting. No bill? I don't know yet. I'll let you know. I'll give you a follow-up. But that's what I – like, I, it didn't get another notification about the idling, uh, and my car started to charge again. So I think as long as it's charging, you're good. Yeah, that's awesome. So actually, Australia now is getting 10 new superchargers added to the nine that gives them 20-plus. There's one in Bunbury, which is over on the uh, Perth side. Oh, another one over there? Yeah. From Bunbury. So well, you can't go from Adelaide to Perth without a couple of superchargers because that's about 3,000 miles. So they're going to have to put a couple across the Nullarbor Plain, mate. But it's only like 9 or 10 kilometers, isn't that right? Yeah. To, hey, it's a there. continent away. It's quite a way away, mate. Um, let's uh, do David Hines' letter, which is um, – here we go. I was really pleased to see that Tesla had a bunch of proposed superchargers peppered along the southeastern uh, borders of Australia, mate. I'm from Adelaide, and that makes uh, things a lot better. So here's my question. Since now I'm going to be really reliant on these superchargers because I'm now going to take my Tesla, I'm going to drive it to Melbourne, and then I'm going to drive up to Sydney, and then I'm going to go to Brizzy. Mate, how reliable are these things? Do they break a lot? Can I really trust this supercharger network? And my summary was I don't use a supercharger network a lot, but it is very robust here in the United States. The only time I've seen a broken supercharger is because it got vandalized. But I would say as the system gets built, it's always good to have a backup plan, a destination charger, maybe location in the area. Uh, never leave without your cable of uh, charging loveliness and your kit that Robert eventually will show us all. Oh, that's true. 
yes, I do need to do that. Now it's no longer in my trunk. It's now my frunk. Oh, it's in the frunk. And I've got my 40-foot J1773 extension. We'll get to it soon. We'll get to it soon. Yeah. Tony Bailey has a question which is actually best answered by Dave Mason. Um, And he basically says this, when will electric cars and ice cars basically be at parity and uh, in terms of, you know, loveliness, ease of use, likingness. And I say it's now, and here's the audio. Well, the best way to answer this letter is to talk to Dave Mason. Your dad does not yeah. have a Tesla. Mm-mm. Your dad went for a big, long drive with you and your Tesla to Fresno and back, six yeah. hours. Yeah, I had to pick up a package um, in Fresno, and they delivered it to the apartment and not down here. So at breakfast, my dad's like, hey, I'm not doing anything. If you want to drive up to Fresno, let's do it. So I'm like, okay, let's go. Let's just go. Because we got, we're not paying in gas. So we'll just go. It's free. It's good. <laughs> so we get in the car and uh, full charge, get to Tahone, uh, charge it up for like 10 minutes. We yep. went to the bathroom. We got a couple Diet Cokes. Of course you uh, did. A couple little peanuts. Yes. And then continued on the way with showing him the uh, automatic steering with mm-hmm. the cruise control. Um Got to Fresno, picked up the package, drove to the Fresno supercharger, had to charge that for like 45 minutes, got yeah. a little lunch, uh-huh. got back in the car, drove back down to Tahone, yeah. uh, charged again for another 10 minutes, and then back into L.A. And at the end, my dad was like, I just have to say that I'm completely sold on Tesla. This is the best car I've ever driven in on such a long drive, and the idea of the whole range anxiety not even an issue anymore because waiting at a supercharger, not even that bad. It was a nice day. We just sat in the car. We went and got a Diet Coke. We walked around, and he really enjoyed it. And he said it was probably the best because he was a he was a salesman for a long time, uh, driving up and down California uh-huh. selling. And he said that was the best car road trip he's ever been in because of the Tesla. And he said if we had the Tesla a year ago, yes, and he it. was sold on it, ladies and gentlemen. He said he would have put his reservation in for the Model 3 a year ago after that trip. Because we've been talking about this for a while. He's sort of been on the edge. I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. And now he's done. He's now his experience. He's totally done. done. And then we went out to dinner when we got back. And he was like, I just don't understand why anyone is driving gas cars anymore. (laughs) He's gone completely the other way. He said it doesn't even make sense anymore. And, And he said, and we even talked about that. When the Model 3 comes out. How fast do you think that turnover is going to be? And I think it's going to probably take a year or two because there's going to be a limited number of Model 3s and those people are going to have to drive their friends around. And once their friends see that range isn't a problem and it's a beautiful car, then you start questioning like, well, wait a second. Why am I dealing with oil changes and smog checks and all these hoses and fluids and spark plugs and things that have to make a car run? When you get such a nice ride in an electric car. Yep. So to answer the listener's question, I think we're right there. I think yeah. we are right at the point where if the close. price of the Model 3 really is 35000 for the base, it's still a bit more expensive than, um, say, a similarly configured ICE car. But as soon as that number becomes basically the same, then it's de- it's all over. It's done. Even I think people will pay extra for these cars because they're so nice. But at the 
time when the battery price comes down so much, and it probably will with the Gigafactory in the next year or so, that it's really pretty equivalent to the same configured ICE car. ICE cars are dead. You're going to see it happen so fast. Your dad is the reason, is the example. He's the guy. He's the bellwether. He's the canary in the haystack. He's that guy. And he said it too. He he said that uh, now that he thinks about it after the trip, the only problem he had was the range anxiety, right? That was the only thing gnawing at him. Now after the trip, he started to think, well, wait a second. If range anxiety is the only thing, he never even really considered all the other problems in an ice car that could happen. And and it's now not even a trade-off. Like all of those moving parts, something could go wrong. And there's less chance of something going wrong in an electric car. And the range anxiety was – he 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 just sees it as not even equal anymore. So the big question that's left for us is the Model S is such a beautiful ride. That's what gets you. The acceleration mm-hmm. is great, but it's so smooth, it's so quiet. If the Model 3 has a similar kind of ride, and I don't see why it wouldn't, it's got to have the battery low down, right. it's going to be quiet, it's going to have good acceleration, although not as fast as the S. Uh, they don't think you're right. People will be driving around their friends' threes going, oh, yeah, where do I sign up for one yep. of those puppies? We're done here. Yep. Thank you, Dave Mason, oh. and father. Yeah, thank you. He also asked this question. So uh, we need to have charging everywhere. Uh, I don't like the way the, ch- the cords looked. What about sort of uh, non-corded charging everywhere? And I, my simple answer to this is there's going to be corded charging for a long time because uncorded charging is too slow for most people. What do you guys say? I, I agree. agree. Unless there's going to be uh, the wattways highways where you just get on the highway and there's like a blue lane and in that blue lane electric vehicles will just charge as they motor down the highway yeah so inductive charging is out there but it's a bit slow it's sort of for your garage and if you use a public charger here a little public service announcement if you use a public charger roll the cord back up as you leave don't let it lay on the ground like make it aesthetically pleasing put me be an example to the rest of the world, that people who drive EV charger, EV charged cars, are going to take care of the infrastructure that's being built for them. Like if you go to Whole Foods and it's a free charger, wind the cord up before you leave. Don't leave it laying on the ground. Don't put the charging, the whole thing, the attacher on the ground. Like take care of it. This is your infrastructure. You need it. Be a good steward. Since I don't go to gas stations anymore, Tom, I assume you do. Do you see people leaving the nozzle? To the gas station, like just laying on the ground? No. No. You never see that. I've never seen that. No. Why would EV drivers do that? Because when one day they go to that location and they're actually running low and they actually do need to get 10 or 20 miles and it's busted because mm-hmm. somebody had to replace the cord, it's not been fixed yet, yeah. wouldn't they be bummed? Yeah, but I see that all the time. Unwinded, charger, connector on the ground. It's not cool. Matt Atkinson, who is a public health doc near Liverpool in uh, the uh, great that is Britain. Escouza. He's a scouser? A scouser. A Liverpool football club fan is a scouser. Oh, I got called a scouser over the weekend. I was wearing my Liverpool jersey, and he's like, no scousers around here. And I was like, sorry, man. That's funny. So he sends us a link to The Guardian that says, you know, flying cars are back. Uber's working on flying cars. Google right. is working on flying cars. There's right. this German company called Lillian, which has a EV flying car. It's an electric flying car, and it does this. 200 miles range, 186 miles an hour, due in when? 
2020? Really? I'll take one. Yeah, there's a couple of good videos out there. There's a, the flying amphibious car. It's not really a car. It looks more like a motorcycle with a net around yeah, it no. and a lot of fans. It's loud. And, you know, these are playthings, just like jet skis were when they first came out. Let's have fun with them. But seriously, this is not going to take me to work. Tevin Grant has a YouTube channel called The Tesla Lawyer Show, I believe it's Not called. Not a podcast. We said it was a, we said podcast. It was a podcast. It's a YouTube channel. We lo- he has a huge long uh, email here, and he says the app and the media pick are stupid, but he liked but Robert's napkin pick. Yeah, I did it again because there's more letters that say it's good. Yeah. Um, uh, Philip Ferens says, uh, take a look at this video. No. It is Thailand's equivalent of the Falcon Heavy. <laughs> And it is hysterical. It is a spinny wheel of death. Yeah. And uh, it's basically, uh, what do you call those um, things? It's like a firework. It's like a firework, but it's huge and it spins. Uh And uh, it's a pretty funny video. And they get, (laughs) there's like four or five people get inside the stupid thing (laughs) to light it on fire. And then it starts to smoke and you see them running away like who knows what could happen. It seems like... It could easily have turned into one of those videos where, like, this has gone wrong. And there's a guy standing alongside it just starting it to spin. <laughs> it's so cool. It's how, yeah. like, 17 people weren't killed from that thing. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah. Okay. Ryan Elson says he likes the media and app pick of the week. In fact, he's got a media pick of himself, and it's how beer saved the world. It's a one-hour Discovery Channel documentary. And you know how beer saved the world, Tom? No. Because when you drank it, you didn't die from all the bugs that are in the water. Ah, that's so everybody right. in the Middle Ages right. is walking around drinking beer. I did actually know that. Adam G says, look, uh, there's a lot here. But uh, there's this idea of this block charge thing. And there's a TED talk about this as well. This is very confusing. It's about how you disarticulate, disambiguate, disremovate uh, the banks and the... Discombobulate. Discombobulate. Are any of those words? Um just you know, follow the links. Thank you, Adam. It's too hard to explain. Jim Kassmeyer has got some great infographics, which we're going to link you to, and a podcast length by David Sislowski. Sislowski says, uh, you know, uh, probably is a bit too long, but I got a long commute, so I don't mind. It's long. We're sorry. And I want to shorten it down because I find by two hours I'm going to die. Yeah. Yeah, but you said you didn't want it to be longer than a half an hour, and then every two weeks, everybody said we want to do it more. We want more. We want more. Franco Capizzo, mate, we've talked to him many times, says, um, here we go. So someone has paid an extra $8,000 for an S or an X full self-driving capability. This is what we talked about. Mm-hmm. You've dropped that cash. You didn't get it. You're going to be a little ticked off. And I think we covered that fairly well. I think right now if you're about to buy a Model 3 and you want full autonomy. Or you're about to lease a Model or 3. Or you're about to lease a Model 3. If it's an option for later, don't buy it now. Let's see how long this takes because it may not be for more than two years. Yeah, Maybe many years before the feds or the states let you use this thing. So if you want to save some bucks, don't turn it on for now. Save the cash. I guess as the only driver here who has functioning autopilot. Thank you. This is... <laughs> I'm not saying this to belittle you. I'm the one who popped all this extra money to try and bring this information to Tesla Nation. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It really does decrease my stress when I use it in the right situations, when I'm not driving into the sun in the early morning, when I'm in a highway that's rather congested, when I'm not in the super fast lane, number one lane, and there's all of these close walls next to me. If I put it in a two or a three lane, if I'm using it during traffic times, 
it helps a lot. I had to go downtown with my wife to, uh, I can't remember what we did. I think maybe it was Disney Hall. Anyway, the traffic sucks at like six o'clock at night, but I got on the freeway and do you know what I said to myself? Oh, this is going to be fun. Self. I got to say in the X where uh, the autonomous driving works uh, quite well, traffic uh, is not a problem now. I just go tick, tick, and it just crawls so, along with the traffic at 20 miles an hour. Right? So it's you're fine. a fan of original autopilot. I'm a big fan of original autopilot. That's I, good to know because there's I'm... a lot of CPO. <laughs> there's a ton of CPO cars now with original autopilot. Yeah. For that very specific thing that Robert's talking about, for very specific circumstances, mm-hmm. it works really well. Yeah. So in L.A., very specific circumstances, we have horrible traffic that goes at 20 miles an hour, stop and yeah. go. It really takes the stress out of that. And as again, like as you go through these CPO cars, there's a lot. There's there's still a lot of cars available without any autopilot. Right. And they're, you know, 40,000, 50,000 is the cheapest. They're, they're still holding value. But the, the original autopilot are starting to creep up the list, and there's more and more of them. They're still expensive, but they're out there. Free supercharging CPO cars are available. They're starting to go away as well. So, And the, uh, the development of autopilot is moving at software company speed. So yeah. I do agree. Every month, something new is going to come out. And by the time you go to the design studio in June to make your configuration, I, I'm really looking forward to what we'll be talking about on Talking Tesla as far as new developments. And hopefully you'll have had your brain transplant by then, Mel. Nathan Dwyer and Pat from Oregon say the show length is okay. Joel Sepp says, hey, lads. Remember Joel Sepp, uh, Talking Tesla, Black Caucus, uh, original founder. He sent us a um, video about the flow, the Australian red flow. red flow batteries. Yeah, as soon as we put this as soon story, as like literally as soon as we stopped last week's show talking yes. about the flow battery, they stopped making them uh, at least temporarily because they were having some issues with them. Well, they have to retool. They're having supply chain problems. There were impurities in their electrolyte solution. And basically, I think there was like a total of 20 red flow batteries. Now, I don't know how many they've actually installed, but they had 20 batteries that for one reason or another needed either service or replacing. And for them, it questioned or at least to put into question their economic viability. There's not a lot of um, profit margin in these things. And so I, I expect they're going to still come back, although the, they said in this article, the creation of a battery system is incredibly expensive. There's a lot of risk. And uh, there's even a couple of battery companies I forgot the one started with an A that Bill Gates invested in went belly up despite having like $200 million in development money. This is uh, sad news for that company. Hopefully they can retool and get it together, but um, it's making Elon look smarter because there are all these technologies out there. And he basically sat down with the the guys and the girls and the engineers and said, of all the stuff that I think is going to be good in the next five to ten years, it's lithium-ion technology. And that's where they put the Gigafactory in that looks like right now. That's the most viable thing. Hey, Elon, you're pretty smart. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We uh, did we're gonna, it. We're going to do it. Uh, we're going to finish it in an hour and 30 minutes. Nice. Which seems to be a nice sort of in-between. I feel good about it. 30 minutes we, every two weeks. I'm sad. Two and a half hours. Because there were some other stories that I really wanted to talk stories, about. But, but we got to the good stuff. We got to the meat of the matter. We talked about the Model 3. Uh, is mine ready? Is it ready now? Because the show's this, been an hour and a half. It's been another hour and a half. Is this thing on? People no, are going to hate, hate the end of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here's Tom, Robert, Mel, Tong Tesla, Talk to you soon. Patreon people, thank you. I'm going to give you something super special for this week. Review and rate us on iTunes, please. Only 
if it's a good review. And use our <laughs> use our referral code numbers. They're all on the website now. Are they? I don't know. I sure hope so. I, I sent mine in. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure that they're up there. And please go watch that TED Talk if you need to be inspired. Gather the children and uh, everybody come around, hold hands, watch that TED Talk and go, like Chris Ennison, I can't believe this guy's thinking of this stuff. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's G-rated. Very cool. See ya. Did we do this without cursing? We got. I think we got. It's I think. Yeah, it's pretty good. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Blue Incorporated. Produced by Mel Herbert and CC Herbert. Hosted by Mel Herbert, Tom Wilson, and Robert Rosenberg. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. And finally, if you love the show, write us a review on iTunes.